Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So um, I wanted to start off the talk tonight with a discourse of the Buddhas um, from the middle-length discourses, middle-length collection, the Majjhima Nikaya. Uh, it's the number eight out of 152 in this collection. Um, the uh, Pali title is Salaka Sutta, or in English, effacement. And effacement by effacement, uh, is a, it's a term that is used to mean the removal of defilements. And defilements is a word that um, might, I don't know how, uh, how it sits in your mind or your heart. Defilements, it's always a, it's a tricky word for me. It, it means um, those tendencies of mind that obscure clear seeing and uh, a purity of heart. Um, and if you think of them as uh, impurities or obscurations uh, that when removed uh, let the, the natural qualities of loving kindness and compassion and wisdom uh, shine through, um, then that can be a healthy kind of an understanding that underneath all of our confusion, there's um, a purity of heart and, and goodness, the, the Buddha right inside of you. Sometimes the word defilement, it, it sounds kind of like, you know, really yuck, yucky stuff that we're in a morass of. And uh, if we could only you know, clean up our act, we'd be okay. Um, but um, I think of it more as obscurations. Without the, the heavy uh, judgment that we're bad for having these tendencies, but just that they're part of being human. And that the, really the path is one of learning more and more to not be run by these tendencies or uh, obscurations of mind. So this is the a discourse, one discourse, on the removal of these uh, obscurations. I'm going to, well, just uh, read a bit of it, skip around. The Buddha is, uh, is sitting... At, uh, in the Jetta Grove, and this uh, monk Mahakunda comes and goes to him and says, um, Venerable Sir, various views arise in the world associated either with doctrines of a self or with doctrines about the world. Both of which are to say, um, we, get, we have views that mistake us 
mistake our perception of, of who we are that confuse us. These are real obscurations. We get these views, yes, look at me, and there's a kind of egoic view that we can have, or views about the world, um, oh, whether it's, if it's uh, eternal or not eternal. And I, a couple of weeks ago, I, I shared a, a discourse where the Buddha said, you know, don't get into all these views. They just confuse you. Um, but he says, these views come up, and um, how, how, does how does one abandon and relinquish these views um, who, for a practitioner who is only attending, who, who is attending only to the beginning of his meditative training? That means if you're not enlightened yet and you're just kind of groping about and you have these views, how do you get rid of them? Basically, with me, I'm confused. How do I get rid of the confusion? And the Buddha says, um, as to those various views that arise, either with doctrines of a self or with doctrines about the world, if the object in relation to which those views arise, which they underlie, and which they are exercised upon, meaning if those thoughts arise and there's beliefs underneath them and then they're acted upon, if those views are seen in, with proper wisdom like this, saying, this is not mine, this I am not, this is not myself, then the abandoning and relinquishing of those views comes about. Basically, he's saying, you can have any thought in the world and if you don't take it personally, if you just see that it's an empty thought or belief that you don't have to latch on to, there's freedom. Now, what allows you to do that? And here he goes through a, a few lists. He says, now it's possible that some people might think Secluded from sensual pleasures, that's if you're in a meditative environment, secluded from unwholesome states, some bhikkhus, some practitioners enter upon and abide in the first, the first jhana, filled with rapture and pleasure, born of seclusion. One might think, oh, I'm abiding in effacement, I'm removing the defilements. But it is not these attainments that are called effacement in my discipline. <clears throat> these are called pleasant abidings here and now in the noble one's discipline. Now what does that mean? For those who aren't familiar with the term jhana, it means a very strong, deep absorption state. It's possible. And he's, it's very, very pleasant and it's very... Uh, strong deepening of concentration that then can be applied to see through the obscurations. But he says, if you're sitting there, some people are thinking, oh, I'm in, I'm in uh, deep peace right now. I'm getting rid of the, the defilements because I'm in the first jhana. He says, no, that's not it. Don't get deceived into thinking that's, that's where... 
That's what's going to get you free. He says, these are pleasant abidings here and now. He says, it's nice, but it's not what we're talking about. And then he goes the same thing with the second jhana, third, fourth, all the way up through eight stages of absorption. He says, it, in, a, in a kind of um, um, mm, repetitive style, <clears throat> if you think this second jhana, no, just pleasant abiding. Third jhana, no, that's not it either. Guess what? Fourth jhana, no, not it. All the way up through the eight concentrations. And then um, he says, these are the way that you really get through those views. And then he mentions five different strategies for getting through these views or different approaches. The first one, and there are, by the way, um, I won't get into it, 44 different views um, and different actions that lead to confusion. First one, I'll just mention a few. Others will be cruel. You say to yourself, I shall not practice cruelty here. Effacement should be practiced thus. So you see cruelty, killing living beings, stealing, speaking untruth, gossiping, ill will, uh, wrong intention, wrong view, all the five hindrances. He says, if you see somebody else that's doing stuff that is just leading to more confusion and obscuration, you say, oh, I don't want to do that. So this is one first strategy or motivation by looking around and seeing that doesn't look like it's leading to such a good place. Okay. That's one strategy. Second is um, what he calls the same 44. Oh no, actually the second is really the heart of what I want to say. He says... I say that even the inclination of mind towards wholesome states is of great benefit. So what should be said of bodily and verbal acts conforming to such a state of mind? Therefore, Kunda, you say, my mind should be inclined thus. Others will be cruel. I will not be cruel. Now this is and all through the 44. This is basically saying, um, if you just even have the intention, maybe you're not there, maybe you're saying, okay, I'm not going to be cruel, etc., etc., all the 44. He says, if you just incline the mind towards wholesome states, even if you're not there, but if you are moving in the direction of wholesome states, then this is a very good thing. It's a start. Now, keeping in mind that um, you're not going to get rid of all the unwholesome states. They're part, uh, un until you are uprooting them through deep awakening, but that you're just moving in the direction towards seeing where is true happiness, 
not because you're trying to be some kind of a saint, not because you're trying to be some, you know, noble being that everybody says, oh, you really got your act together, but because you see, oh, gee, it's a drag when I'm this way. I want to start moving in this other direction. So the inclination of the mind, and I'll briefly go through uh, the other three strategies. He says, avoidance is another one. Just don't put yourself in temptation's way, okay, if you can help it. And then he says, um, more and more understanding that unwholesome states in this it's interpreted lead downwards and all unwholesome states lead upwards. So just know that you're facing in the right direction and that in itself can be a source of inspiration. So besides just inclining the mind, get a sense, oh, I'm going in the right direction. And that begets itself. Okay? And then the last in this particular discourse is through extinguishing. That is, um, once you are liberated, that's the best way to, uh, to uproot these unwholesome states and go towards the wholesome states. What, is, what I wanted to talk about is seeing that this is a process, as the Buddha pointed out, um, that takes time and that the main thing is getting clear on the direction that you want to be developing in your life. Without a timetable, without am I there yet? Uh, gosh, I still have you know 15 unwholesome states and eight wholesome, you know, Where's, where's the, uh, you know, who's keeping score here? No. You just keep on facing in a particular direction and be inspired by the fact that that's where your heart is, is set to, um, to unfold and lead, to have a vision, an inspiring vision, and even just to incline the mind little by little towards that. This is a very good thing. And what often happens as you are becoming more aware, you see more and more how you create suffering for yourself. There's a price to pay in starting to wake up. And that is that you can't pretend you don't know any better. You can't plead ignorance. You know, oh well, you know, I just don't know any better. Once you kind of see, oh gosh, when I do this and it feels yucky, uh, let's see, the last 15 times I did it, each time it did feel yucky, uh, am I learning something here? You know? And the more you wake up, the more obvious it is 
how you're creating suffering for yourself. However, the catch is, because those habits are so deeply ingrained, part of the, the, the deal is you're going to see that much more clearly, gosh, I'm doing it again. And feel somewhat discouraged that you're still getting caught. Don't worry about this. Not only don't worry about it, but feel really good that you're actually seeing your confusion. As this line that I love by Pema Chodron, she says, take delight in that which sees the dukkha, the, the suffering. Take delight, feel good that you're seeing it. Because from a karmic standpoint, it's better to know that you're doing something unskillfully and going ahead and doing it than to not know. Now you might say, hold on a moment, that doesn't seem very fair. If I don't know any better, you know, why should I blame myself? It's not that you should blame yourself, but from a karmic standpoint, if you don't know, you are doomed to keep, to keep on repeating. Whereas if you know, you start to become more and more acutely aware of the, of the pain, of the, the dissonance inside, and there's more of a likelihood, more of a possibility that you will start to act in alignment with your values. But this is a painful process to see. It is a process of purification where you're going to see more and more and hopefully not get humbled by it but feel good at least that you're seeing more and more and inclining the mind in the right direction. This is from um, Ramdas in Be Here Now, uh, one of my favorite passages in this book where he says, um, as you further purify yourself, your impurities will seem grosser and larger. Understand that it's not that you're getting more caught in the illusion. It's just that you're seeing it more clearly. The lions guarding the gates of the temples get fiercer as you proceed towards each inner temple. But the, of course the light is brighter too. So here's where facing in the right direction is something to be inspired by. To just keep on recommitting to see what really matters to me. Where do I want to be headed? You know, in the Eightfold Path, the first link of the Eightfold Path is uh, right view or right understanding or wise understanding where you see, oh, this is where happiness lies, this is where suffering lies. And then the second link is wise intention where if you s once you see how the game works, you have the intention to commit for yourself 
to keep on moving in the direction of more well-being and happiness and peace. And then from that, all the other aspects of the Eightfold Path, speech, action, livelihood, and the mind training effort, mindfulness and concentration, just follow from that commitment to face in the right direction. But again, this is a process that one needs patience and recommitment to do. So I want to share with you another kind of um, related discourse of the Buddhas that talks about this process of purification in a more uh, direct way. Here is a simile for the refinement of mind. This is the Buddha speaking. There are, my friends, gross impurities in gold, such as earth and sand, gravel and grit. Now the skilled goldsmith first pours the gold into a trough and washes, rinses, and cleans it thoroughly. When the goldsmith has done this, there still remain moderate impurities in the gold, such as fine grit and coarse sand. Then the goldsmith rinses and cleans it again. When the goldsmith has done this, there still remain minute impurities in the gold, such as fine sand and dust. Now the goldsmith repeats the washing, and thereafter only the gold dust remains. The goldsmith now pours the gold into the melting pot and smelts it, melts it together. But the goldsmith does not yet take it out from the vessel, as the dross has not yet been entirely removed, and the gold is not yet quite pliant, workable, and bright. It's still brittle and does not yet lend itself to molding. But a time comes when the goldsmith repeats the melting so that the flaws are entirely removed. The gold is now quite pliant, workable, and bright, and it lends itself easily to molding. Whatever or ornament the goldsmith now wishes to make of it, be it a crown, earrings, a necklace, or a golden chain, the gold can now be used for that purpose. Similarly, in the case of the practitioner devoted to practice. There may be such gross impurities as unskillful conduct in deeds, words, and thoughts. Such conduct, the follower of the way eventually gives up, puts away, lets go, and relinquishes. When one has abandoned these, there may still remain such impurities as a moderate degree of lust, anger, and violent thoughts. Such thoughts, the follower of the way, little by little, gives up, puts away, lets go, and relinquishes. When one has abandoned these, there may still remain such subtle impurities as clinging to relatives, to nation, or to one's reputation. When one has abandoned these, there may still remain grasping to special states of meditation. Just subtler and subtler, but it's still grasping. Yeah. Thus, concentration is not yet properly calm or refined. It has not attained to full tranquility, nor has achieved mental unification. But there comes a time when the practitioner's mind gains firmness within, settles down, becomes unified, and concentrated. 
and with such concentration the practitioner is able to direct the mind to states of higher insight and eventually freedom. So he's saying little by little as long as you are facing in the right direction uh, you're you're doing okay. As long as you're doing the best you can, you can't do better than the best you can. You can't hurry up the process. And it might be two steps forward and one step back, or three steps forward and two steps back, or four steps forward and five steps back. But as long as you keep on facing forward, and seeing, am I learning something from this? What am I learning these days? This is a question I often ask myself. What am I learning? Have I changed it all over, over time? Is there a way that I've, I've seen that I'm bringing out more of the good qualities or my commitment to the truth or my commitment to uh, to being present for, for life, for others, um, and just really keeping on taking delight in that forward movement. So I'd like to ask before I, I say any more, I'd like you to just think for a few moments. Go inside in your own mind, your own heart. And as you reflect on this purification process, Maybe you're brand new to meditation or to the practice. But maybe you've been practicing for some time. Wherever you happen to be, okay, maybe look back how you were, say, a year ago or five years ago. or 10 years ago. The Dalai Lama suggests if you've got to get a sense of your process, look in five or 10 year chunks and just see what you've learned, how you've grown, and are you growing, which direction are you going in? And you might just ask, um, have you seen any positive developments in this purification process. Maybe things that would catch you or hook you or trigger you a year or five or ten years ago that uh, you see some positive movement in. Just remember how how you were, how you are now. Don't get into how much more you have to go for now. Just what kind of development have you seen? And if you're new to practice, it might be even 
in your life if you've been heading in the right direction? Just how might you be different now than you were again a year or five or ten years ago? Okay, and now without getting into you know all the details as much as you want or or don't want to, I'd like you to just uh, turn to a couple of other people and uh, in a group of three, can be in a group of two or or four if if that's what's naturally there. Um, share with with each other and really celebrate. This is not a matter of saying, oh, what a jerk I was five years ago. It's, it's feeling, oh, hey, this is pretty cool. I was then that person and I'm, this is how I've seen myself uh, growing. And then we can come back for a, a conversation about this uh, process of waking up, okay? And we'll take about 10 minutes for this. I'll let you know when it's about halfway through. Come on back. There's a lot of conversation here. That's good. At least you found something that you were going in the right direction. How many people noticed as they look back some change in their life? Oh, good. Yeah. So, any other uh, observation that uh, that you want to share? We have a few minutes here, and uh, let's see, Andrew, if you could. Thanks a lot. Raise your hand, uh, Ralph. Right. James, you mentioned it at the outset about uh, like step one, not noticing, not being aware of. Step two, suffering. Awareness of it, yucky, I hate this feeling. This must not be the right direction. It feels so bad. Yeah. But really is leaning in to uh, some kind of a distinction of life, mm -hmm. of, of its, say, integrity or uh, honesty or, or true empathy. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't. It, that was a crock. Mm -hmm. And there, there's a suffering in that. So, and, and you're, so you're saying that you're noticing that you've been noticing that more? Or is well, that was the five years ago. Uh-huh. And that's now? Been a, it's, it, that's been the process of, m you know, moving through the acceptance of that. Mm. And that what, it would, what, what is it really like to live that authentically and truly? Mm. More than just an idea, but to, to live it. Yes. Uh, and you're finding out more and more. Yes, and, and, and taking it light, more lightly. Uh -huh. Because to basically say, well, I didn't really have integrity. I'm not such a nice guy. I, I, I am kind of a shithead. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I did betray that person. And, and to come from a place of, no, I'm a guy with a lot of integrity. I mean... That's my middle name. Mm -hmm. So uh, discovering the hubris in that, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and the hark, and I wish it would. 
you know, it was nice to be that way <laughs> and to be seen that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I think that the, the challenge of not having the ego hanker for that kind of simplicity, mm-hmm. even though it was diluted in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... Uh, it's really well put. Yeah, you you have to let go of being somebody who's got it all together if you're if you really want to just go all the way. Because if you've if your ego is saying I've got it all together, then you don't have it so well together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then to see that oh. That's delusion. Oh, there's another, there's another way to hold this. Thank you. Yeah. Right next, Timothy. Yeah. So just Re- to real close to you. Just to build on that a little bit. So it's when you when one shift I've noticed is that in letting go of projecting that one has it all together is actually what really allows intimacy to occur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big time, because if there's a kind of vulnerability, then you can let, uh, then others, you're letting others in, and your humanness is what, is what's most appealing, not your togetherness. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Here's, right over here. Put it real close to your okay. lips. Yeah. Um, I was telling my fellow practitioners um, actually how much I appreciate the exercise that we just did uh-huh. um, because my default is to look at what's wrong, you know, what I haven't done. And it's very important to look at how you've changed in the positive and the light. And that, so just that exercise, anytime I can do that, anytime I'm encouraged, and it, you know, it's really powerful. So I really appreciate the exercise. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, that, that's what I really wanted everybody to take a look at. It's so easy to see what's wrong. You know, there's there's never ending list of that once once we start looking for it, you know. And then we forget to look for what's right. And to like I said, celebrate it. Oh, I'm a different person now. You know, maybe I have more to do, more to wake up, but to you can be inspired by your own development and unfolding. And that's the key to just, uh, the more you get inspired, then, then practice becomes an inspiration instead of a source of, 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 of shame. Um, you want Dharma practice to, um, to inspire you. Say, oh yeah, this is worth it. I'm going in the right direction. And that might take shifting that habit to looking for what's right and feeling how good it feels. That's what I love in that that first discourse uh, that I read, that just inclining the mind, he said, that's good. Don't worry about, am am I there yet? You just keep on inclining the mind. Thank you. The uh, last comment there is. Once. Oh, right over here. Yeah, 
just a little close. more to add to that. Um, I too enjoyed having to come up with something that I am doing right because I, I have sort of a memory problem. I'm spread out all over the place. And to have to, as we were talking, then it came up and I all these other things came up. So it reminds me that I could benefit from doing maybe a, a spiritual journal or something so that I mm. could keep aware and, you know, bring my my practice to my own light, you know, a little bit more often. Excellent. So having, doing like a spiritual journal or what you, you might have a practice, whether or not you write it down. Um, hmm. Something that I suggest on retreats that you can try in a daily practice. On retreat, you know, so much happens within 24 hours. It seems like you pack about you know, 48 hours into 24 hours on a retreat. And before I go to bed, uh, go to sleep at night on retreat, and now I'm going to see if I'll, I'll take this on as a practice this week, um, to just reflect on what wholesome acts or thoughts that you've had today. Or what have you done that's really been supportive and coming from a good a good place, a good heart. And it's a it's a good way to go off to sleep to rem, to recall the wholesomeness of your thoughts or your words or your actions um, just as a as a way to stay connected to, to that place. And it, it can do it in daily life. You don't just have to wait on retreat. So keep on noticing what's good in your life. It doesn't mean that you're putting a blinder on and just, you know, denying all the things. You'll see the things often that, you know, need needs improvement. It used to be on the report card, needs improvement, you know. Um, but hold in a context of going in the right direction. So we can uh, just close with a brief loving kindness and uh, feeling the wholesomeness of just coming to sit with people and sharing the Dharma. That there's something in your heart that calls you to do that. What amazing grace that is. May I keep nourishing that seed of goodness and purity and love of the truth. And may I share all the wholesome thoughts and words and actions with all beings and share my love well. And wake up to a true nature. And may our coming here together be of benefit to everyone in our lives and to all beings everywhere. May all beings come to the highest happiness and peace and freedom. Great week. See you next week. S stack up the chairs very mindfully. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.